The following podcast is brought to you by the Station of the Thank you for listening. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. Hello, how are you? I pray that you are well, always, 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 always. And uh, that you remember, if you were watching yesterday, that God loves you. Every day, remember that he loves you. And the old little kind of song, Diddy, says, he loves you just the way you are today, but much too much to let you stay that way. And when he's changed your life from what it was before, he still won't love you one bit more because he loves you all there is to love you today. And all you need to do to get loved is to get in God's way. And this is the perfect time to be loved by God while the world is going crazy. That We need to take refuge in God. We need to take refuge from God in God. That is uh, what uh, most beloved Protestant pastor A.W. Tozer said years ago. We need to take refuge from God in God. And that's true. Um, And so I pray that you're doing that because as things get worse, and they will, um, and I think fairly soon, um, again, I say I'm not a prophet when I say these things, but... but, um, I spend a little time catching up and putting pieces together, and I think we're uh, in for more soon. And I uh, rioting and coronavirus and everything else. Our newsletter is on the way in the mail uh, to you, to those who are subscribed to our newsletter. There's no charge; you just need to sign up, Mother of Israel's Hope dot org, and click on. Um, um, newsletters. How's that? www.motherofisraelshope.org. <laughs> um, and if you're not on our list and you would have missed this next mailing, and we only mail maybe three times a year, tops four, um, the newsletter, uh, you can always uh, go to the contact uh, tab and email us with your full address and we'll send it to you. Um, uh, but it is on homeschooling, and um, I have I came across a wonderful article by Father now Venerable John Harden um, on home education and the survival of the Catholic family. That's Father Harden's title, but it's it it would be uh, no less no other if it were my title. Home education is and will be the survival of the Catholic family. If you send your children to school, it will be very short-lived, and um, uh, they're not going to get the kind of Catholic education you can give them at home, uh, regardless of how prepared or intelligent or schooled or experienced you are. You will do better. God will help you. I, I know that. So I'm going to prepare you for our newsletter with Father Harden. And it says there are, he says, there are some topics that are meant to startle the audience to attention, like clever ads in the newspapers or magazines. <clears throat> you say something bizarre to catch the reader's notice. But the title of the ad does not really mean that the words, what the words are saying. This is not the case here. The full title of my talk, says Father Hardin, to you would read, Home Education is Necessary for the Survival of the Catholic Family. And beloved, it's not simply that I, who am I, agree, but it is God's design. It is absolutely God's design. God never intended us to hand our children over to others, especially unbelieving others, um, 
to educate. We educate them. We homeschool them from the moment they're in the mother's womb. You're homeschooling them, Mom, right from the womb. And right until they reach, let's say, kindergarten, first grade age, you've homeschooled them all this time. Why would you now turn them out when they're approaching crucial years? And so, Father says, my plan for this conference, this is a a transcript of his conference, is to cover the three most important questions we can ask. Number one, what is home education? Two, why is home education necessary for the survival of the Catholic family? And three, how is home education to be provided not only for the survival but for the progress of the Catholic family as we enter the 21st century. Now, this was written, I don't have the date on it, but um, the last article I read of Father Hardin's was written 32 years ago. So we could safely say about 30 years ago when things were not nearly as bad as they are today. So number one, what is home education? Father says home education is the development by the parents of the whole personality of a child from infancy to adulthood. It is education because it draws out from the Latin word educare, the natural and supernatural potentialities of a person. It might be educare. I'm not Italian. Some of these potentialities are latent in a child from, conce- from conception and birth. Others are present from the time of baptism. The parent's primary duty is to cooperate with God as author of nature and grace to draw out the latent powers in the child whom they brought into the world. It's your responsibility, parents, to do that not to bring them into the world and hand them over to society, even Catholic society, even private schools, even Catholic schools. It is home education twice over. It is first of all home education because it is done by the parents without whom there would be no home. It is secondly done at home within the ambit of what we commonly identify as our domicile. Notice I prefer to speak of home education than home schooling. I like that. Everything you do, beloved, even if you send your child to school, is home education. Everything you do, you teach them. You teach them to behave. You teach them their faith. You teach them the values. You teach them how to how to read and write and open jars and uh, put erect sets together and all kinds of things. You teach them. You never stop teaching them in with every question they have, with every instruction you give, you're teaching all the time. And if you don't speak, you are always, always teaching by your example. It's home education, not homeschooling. They're not in school. They are home and they are learning God given values and principles of the home for the whole person. Father Hardin continues, um, the reason that he uh, refers to education rather than homeschooling is to emphasize the domestic personal character of the education rather than its institutional structure. When I speak of home education by both parents, Father says, I mean both parents and not only by the mother. It may be that time-wise, the mother devotes more time to the training of her children than the father, no matter. What is important is that both mother and father are involved. There is a contribution to the children's upbringing that having a miracle, only the father, I think it meant uh, then saving a miracle, only the father can provide. This share in the education of the children is imperative. Moreover, home education does not absolutely exclude all other forms of sor- or sources of teaching the children. Listen, listen up here. Home education does not 
absolutely exclude all other forms or sources of teaching the children. But in every case, and I mean in every case, says Father, the home is the primary source. All other or any other educational agents or agencies are secondary to the home. They are auxiliary to the home. They are dependent on the home. They are subordinate to the home. And they are chosen by the parents and meant to be helpful, never competitive with the home. What is the, what is the span of home education? It is the whole personal and social life of the child. It is the bodily and spiritual well-being of the child. It is the physical, emotional, mental, and volitional life of the child. It's everything, beloved. Your child will never come home, even from Catholic school, um, endowed with all that God has given you uh, to build into that child. And then Father says, secondly, why home education? And beloved, when we come back from the break, we will see why home education. I don't think we'll finish this article today, but that's all right. I won't. We will take your calls at the half hour break. And the toll free number to call in so you have it ahead of time is 1 877 511 5483. Or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, Love in Truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am thrilled to be with you. We had a little um, longer break, um, and I'm going to continue with Father Hardin's article where we left off. He says, why home education? The first was, what is home education? And he made a point to say that he chooses the word education rather than schooling. Home education, because you... A mother, a father never stops educating their children at home all the time. This is just part of that. It's not schooling. Uh, it's not a separate situation as if you're taking over from the schools. Not at all. The, the, the opposite is true. You turn your children, if you don't homeschool, over to the schools to take over from you. And that they can never, ever do. So Father Hardin says, why home education? And he says, in stating my thesis, I might have said many things like home education is helpful for the family. Uh, 
or home education is a valuable asset for the family, for family life, or home education is a powerful aid for the Catholic family, or home education is all but necessary for the Catholic family. And he says each of these titles would have been true, but inadequate. Instead, I chose to speak on home education is necessary for the survival of the Catholic family. Why this title? Because it is literally true. And I'll say, beloved, it is much more true today than it was 30 years ago when Father Hardin wrote that. Uh, 30 years ago, it still was the matter of survival. Uh, today, it is urgent. It is urgent. Um, Father says, let me be clear. I am not merely saying that home education is necessary in the modern world. This is not a conditional necessity. It is not just because the modern world has become so widely and deeply secularized that home education has become a necessity. No. Father says, I make bold to say that one of the main factors contributing to the secularization of once strongly Christian cultures has been the neglect of sound, orthodox, authentic, courageous, magisterial, historic Catholic teaching in faith and morals by parents in the home from the dawn of the infancy of their children. I absolutely believe it, beloved. I've said more than once that we are, I, I take responsibility, we as Catholics, and not even as Christians as a whole, as Catholics, are responsible for the degradation of our society, that we're in the world and of it. I think we are responsible because to whom much is given, much is required, and much is expected. And the world expects it of us. And when we live like the world, um, why should they be Christian? Why should they be Catholic? We are worse than any of them because we've been given what they have not been given. Father Hardin says, the issue we are addressing is perennial. Either Catholic parents provide their offspring with the education the children need or the inevitable happens as it has happened. Our main focus here is on why. Why are parents so necessary for the proper education of their children and the corresponding survival of the Catholic family? The reason is really a cluster of reasons, all derived from what we know about human nature and divine grace. Number one, we are what we have received. The first reason, so this is answering why, why are parents so necessary for the proper education of their children and the corresponding survival of the Catholic family? That's what Father Hardin asks. And he says, number one, we are what we have received. The first reason is the mysterious law of interdependence. We depend on others for what we possess. This applies, first of all, to our physical nature, only human beings can reproduce other human beings. And, sorry, and this rep- reproduction is not only bodily, but also mental or volitional. What do we know that someone else has not taught us? And what do we love except what others have helped us to choose and appreciate? Under God, the primary, most important person in our lives to enlighten and inspire us are our parents. Parents, in turn, are to recognize that the children they brought into this world are not meant for this world. That's huge, beloved. The children um, parents brought into this world are not meant for this world. The children's destiny is eternal. It is the parents more than anyone in the world who are to prepare their children in time, indeed, for eternity. Second reason why home education is the survival and the necessary survival of the family. Secondly, Father Hardin says, parents are primary sources of grace. 
No one reaches heaven without divine grace. No one reaches this grace except through another human being who is the channel of this grace. Parents are the primary channel of this grace for their children. And I will tell you, beloved, a little aside here, that if you teach them until they're five or six years old or even four and send them to preschool and you send them off, what you have instilled in them in their first few years will not last through um, uh, public schools or Catholic schools or private schools. You cannot assume they've had enough grace, enough principles, enough education, enough love, enough example, enough of anything in order for them, for that to hold them through their school years. It will not. They are formative. They are uh, being influenced. Um, being liked is going to be their peers, by their peers, being popular, being uh, sought as uh, out as normal, if not possible, uh, popular uh, by teachers, by students, by friends. It's all going to have an effect on, on them. And if you turn them over to the world, you are pulling the flower out of the ground too soon or the, or the corn that you planted or whatever it is too soon and it will die. It will die. There's a there's a story of a um, a little butterfly that has uh, just been born, and he was in his uh, wherever he leaf whatever he was born on, and a little girl uh, just a few years old. Um, uh, we used to watch him how beautiful he was, but there was a string that was tying him to the leaf, and he he was trying to fly and he couldn't fly. And so she went home, um, well, no, what? Yes, yeah, she went home and she got a little scissors. She wanted to free him, so she cut his string. And the little uh, butterfly made a couple of flaps and died. And she was heartbroken. And she went home and she said, Papa, and she's crying, why did he die? And the father said to her, because you cut his string. But I wanted him to be free. And, he, and the father said, but the string is part of nature. And because he's trying so hard to fly, he's actually building the muscles to fly. And if you cut the string, he won't have the muscles or the strength, and he'll die. And so I think with children, too, um, uh, you cut the string too early, um, and you don't give them the strength to fly, then they're going to be in trouble. They will be in trouble, whether it's spiritual strength, uh, whatever strength it is. Um, they need to build the muscles to fly. They need to build the muscles, and it's the parents' responsibility to give them the tasks at home, the responsibility at home. I know children who never clean, never do anything. The mother gets after them all the time. They do nothing. And then they enter marriage, and they... It, it, they're not responsible. They don't know what to do. It's an awful, awful thing. Um, okay, we're going to continue now. Um, we are here saying much more than meets the ear. We are saying that in God's ordinary providence, the parents are the main instruments of supernatural light for their children's minds. They are the channels of spiritual strength for the children's wills. And in a word, the parents are the principal conduit by which God communicates the graces that children need to reach heaven and save their souls. Now, if you see all this, why would you turn them over for three or five or eight or whatever it is, hours a day, to other people who will not only not instill this in them, even if they're Catholic, but will um, inevitably, inevitably, how do you say that, inevitably, um, drain them of what you've instilled in them. This primacy as channels of grace for their children comes from the sacrament of matrimony, which Catholic parents have received. Matrimony assures them of a lifetime of God's grace to love each other in faithful charity and chastity until death. 
And you know, beloved, chastity for married couples does not mean abstinence. It means being faithful to one spouse and not even looking at another. Matrimony also assures them of a lifetime of God's grace for the upbringing of their children in loving obedience to God as a precondition for reaching heavenly destiny. Oh, beloved, I think we're going to have to stop there right in the middle of point two, and I promise you we will continue this tomorrow. Um, There's our uh, half-hour break, and I would um, invite you to call in with anything on your heart whatsoever. doesn't have to be our topic. uh, Toll-free or text at 1-877-511-5483 or email at motheratthestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. life convictions into action and stand out for life every saturday morning wherever you may be we'll be broadcasting live 9 to 10 a.m eastern hosted by myself jim havens and father Stephen imbarato as we stand out live on location but this is more than a broadcast it's a call to action grab a pro-life sign and publicly take a stand outside of a local abortion center or any high traffic area like an exit ramp overpass or street corner and as you do listen to the stand out for life broadcast if you're in the eastern time zone stand Stand out from 9 to 10 a.m. and listen live. But if you're in a different time zone, the broadcast is easily available to you via podcast shortly after it airs on the iCatholic Radio app. So you can stand out and listen anytime that is most convenient for you. The main thing is that we all take at least an hour to stand out for life in public witness every Saturday, even if it's just sitting on the front porch holding a pro-life sign. Whatever you can do, we all must take a part in public witness for the end of abortion. God bless you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm here. I'm thrilled to be with you. And I think the number's on the screen. To call in with anything on your heart, our lines are wide open. And the toll-free number to call or text is one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We're going to go to Mary who writes in, Dear Mother, since the pandemic, our bishop has videotaped daily Mass at noon and Sunday Mass. When the bishop is giving out Holy Communion to now 25 or so people with masks that do a deep bow and put out their hands to receive the Lord, the bishop uses tweezers. She's got that in capital letters. The bishop uses tweezers to grab a host and place it in the person's hand. Oh, this is getting worse every day, huh? Mother, at first I thought I was imagining or seeing incorrectly, but it is true. This cannot be right. Well, it is not right. What can be done to stop this? He is a bishop. Thanks and God's blessings to you, Mother. Oh, Mary, uh, it's just tragic. I don't know. I don't know what you can do. You can certainly ask to see the bishop after Mass or speak to him and and say, Dear Bishop, it just shocked me and broke my heart that you would use tweezers to pick up the host rather than your consecrated hands. Um, uh, it's one thing to force us to receive our Lord in the hand. But it's another thing for you to give us our Lord with a pair of tweezers that is, um, uh, it's not canonical, it's not holy, and it breaks our heart. You can, you can try speaking with him um, in a, with the painful voice of a sheep, 
I don't know that he'll change anything. A bishop that would go to that drastic, um, take that drastic a measure, I don't even know if he has faith anymore. It's it's really awful, Mary. So I don't know what to do. And in some cases, I say find find a different church, but now you'd have to find a different diocese. Well, at least I would go. I wouldn't go to the cathedral where the bishop is serving mass. I'd find another mass, if you could. And again, if there's a Latin mass in your diocese, I would find that one. We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Dear Mother, I hope you and all your listeners are well. I am from Singapore. As you have always said, the heart of the matter is the matter of our hearts, so I will write to you what's on my heart. <clears throat> I'm thrilled to have an email from Singapore. God bless you. This person says, I have attended the Novus Ordo my entire life. In Singapore, the Latin Mass community is very small and for the most part totally out of the consciousness of mainstream, mainstream Catholic life. I never even knew there was such a thing as a Latin Mass until a few years ago. But in the past five years, listening to the good and holy priests of Census Fidelium, that's outstanding, beloved, I, I recommend it for you all, Census Fidelium, S-E-N-S-U-S, and then Fidelium, F-I-D-E-L-I-U-M, it's the sense of the faithful. Um, which has often saved the church in in uh, times of persecution and apostasy. So I recommend that website, Census Fidelium. Um, she said, "I've been, uh, I've, uh, let's see now, in the past five years, listening to the good and holy priest of Census Fidelium, strengthened me to take the faith more seriously by going to daily mass and kneeling to receive the Eucharist on the tongue." God bless you, and God bless those who produce and speak for Census Fidelium. We also listen to them here. However, it was only when the Archdiocese of Singapore totally suspended public masses as early as February did I truly see that my daily reception of the Eucharist was more of an ascetical practice than a mystical encounter with the Lord, and that my supernatural faith in the Eucharist was very, very weak. Well, blessed be God who works all things together, all things together for good. How wonderful that you receive that grace to realize that. And this individual says, I am now wondering what to do to protect this supernatural faith in the Eucharist and whether I can even return my to my former habits of attending Mass in the ordinary form. Uh, let me just stop right there. This is a bit of a lengthy email to say, if it's at all possible, even though the Latin Mass is hidden in your diocese, if it is at all possible for you to attend that Latin Mass, I would I would do anything I could to attend that, uh, even if I have to drive a couple of hours on a Sunday. And uh, they say, in the early days when I was reeling from the suspension of Masses, I used to watch the daily live stream Masses conducted by the Archbishop of Singapore in the ordinary form of the Mass, of course, as a way to substitute what I had lost. You could never substitute anything by watching a live stream Mass. You cannot substitute it. It can help you to pray, to follow the Mass, but it is no substitute for the Mass. And this one says, but now I have stopped watching all live-streamed Masses, not only because I am dimly aware that the ordinary form of the liturgy, even while reverent, somehow does not fully reveal the truly mystical and divine nature of the Eucharist, but also because I do not want this real hunger for the Lord to be placated by a virtual facsimile. That's outstanding. That is outstanding. There are a number of people who have gotten so used to watching live stream masses, they think it suffices, and they don't plan to return to the church. Those people have lost their faith. So to hear this is wonderful. The individual says, but I am not sure if I should trust this instinct to skip live streamed masses. So I am being overcautious because no matter how flawed the vessel, God's grace cannot be hindered. I am wondering 
what you think about the practice of attending live-streamed masses and whether they are more uh, good than harm. Well, they don't... Yeah, I think generally they're more good than harmed if they're done in a reverent manner and if they don't... If they cause people to get into the habit of watching live stream masses and not return to mass, even when a few of the churches begin to open for because they're uh, it's too far from them or it's, they're lazy or it's convenient, then that's they're doing more harm than good. Um, I personally would not watch uh, an, um, a live stream mass, especially one that's not Latin. Um, um, well, you could. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm, I have your sensitivities, and it would not help me to watch a live stream mass if it's Novus Ordo at all, because the abuses and the reality that you have just expressed uh, would be foremost in my mind. Would I watch a Latin mass live stream? I would do that. And... Um, we don't do that, but we have on occasion for a holy day of obligation or just a holy day. Um, July 1st, which is today, is a first-class feast of the most precious blood of our Lord. And we go to a parish um, that celebrates. It's, it's actually their feast day today. So it's, it's very, very wonderful. And they continue, who, who the man or woman who wrote this email, on a related point, our Archdiocese of Singapore has put in place a plan to gradually resume masses. That's good. All of us will have to register individually online for the parish will be attending. No family registration, which means we cannot attend mass as a family anymore. Uh, I, ho- I hope it does not mean that. Um, we also here in Tulsa at a Latin Mass need to register because uh, the, the pastor has blocked off every other pew, which is what he needs to do. And only so many people can attend each Mass. So we must register and sign up before. He's, he's worked out an online sign-up situation. And it's smart because once it's filled... Other people cannot go, and they need to learn. But he's changed from two Masses on a Sunday to three. He's doing everything he can to assist us. But um, to to uh, have online registration is just fine. Um, but my, I'm hoping that when it says no family registration, it doesn't mean the family can't come. It means to just not register one family. You need to register the number of people. So if I register for our community here, I put the number of people that will co- are coming. And if they require, because they allow for that, how many people? And so uh, we can do that. And they have one person's name, but they have the total number. If each individual must register on their own and they don't allow family registration, then register for every single person in your family, even if they're three years old. You don't need the age. Just register every single person rather than have, because if they have one family, it could be two people, it could be ten people, and, and the pastor doesn't know. So register every, either put in the number of the family or register every single person. Uh, he or she continues, the faithful who have registered will be balloted and assigned a mass attendance slot once a month. Oh, how awful. And even this is not guaranteed. I don't know what the regulations are for reception of the Eucharist, but I can anticipate that we may not be able to receive the Lord on the tongue. It's really awful. What should I do? I truly want to receive the Lord, but I am afraid that if I receive him in my hands, I will destroy the little seed of supernatural faith that had been planted during this time of Eucharistic hunger. I wouldn't do that, beloved, myself. There are holy priests who agree to do that because our Lord wants to give himself to us. I don't want to do it. Um, and I don't foresee, he or she says, how the diocese will ever let us receive on the tongue because that was one of the very first practices they banned. 
but to voluntarily stay away from receiving the Lord would be worse, I feel. Can one receive the supernatural strength we need to weather these times just through spiritual communion? By that argument, then, why should we even attend Masses since they are allowed to resume? Um, And she ends by, or he ends by saying, I don't mean to vent my frustration, Mother. I always appreciate your wisdom and insight. Thank you for taking the time to read this email. God bless you. Um, Those last two sentences are concerning. Can one receive the supernatural strength we need to weather these times just through spiritual communion? Um, Yes and no. It has been pointed out that... um, Many, since the masses have been closed, many, many sacrilegious communions have been stopped. Many people receive our Lord in a state of mortal sin. So by communion being stopped, by churches being closed, that has stopped. Um, But um, to receive uh, spiritual communion, it has also been pointed out, could be a lot more fervent and sincere than going up to simply receive what has become mundane and ordinary because we have our Lord so much. So that's why I say yes and no. If someone is fervent and loves God and knows who they are receiving and does so utterly reverently, then spiritual communion will not replace that. But many fervent, wonderful Catholics, beloved, through many years of persecution in the past, have lived on spiritual communion, and they have done extremely well because the Lord has come to them through spiritual communion. Uh, I, I hold up Bishop Athanasius Snyder as a wonderful example. We'll be right back, beloved, after this break and continue to take your calls. Join us here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross and live stream through the Station of the Cross and Live Site News and Mother Miriam Live Facebook and the Facebook pages of both apostolates is really, really terrific. Um, I'm so thrilled for this opportunity. Um, our engineer um, uh, just sent me a note that uh, Census Fidelium also has a YouTube channel. Um, and so that might be helpful to some people. And I recommend you go there <clears throat> on YouTube and type in Census Fidelium. You won't go wrong listening to their homilies. We have an email from Rick <clears throat> who says, Dear Mother Miriam, why are priests and other religious afraid to talk about hell? Oh, dear. I mean, very rarely do you ever hear about it in a homily. I know that, Rick. It's it's tragic because it is real, and our Lord spoke more about hell in the New Testament than any other subject. Money and hell, what we do with our money, our resources, and hell were the two greatest subjects that our Lord had. 
and it's it's um, it can't be hell is not under a bushel. I may, um, Rick says it's real. It does exist. And the mother of God was allowed to show the three shepherd children its existence, authored to do so through her son. Many souls are already there, and sadly, many, many more are headed there right now. Um, and he uh, he continues with Mother Angelica and uh, Saint Jacinta and the other saints who have talked greatly about hell and the urgency of knowing about hell and not going there. Um, uh, why are priests and religious and others afraid to talk about hell? Why don't they? I don't know why they don't. It, it seems to me a lack of faith. All I could think about is the salvation of souls. All I think about is the salvation of souls, which is why I'm so strong on the family, because the family is the survival of our nation. The witness of the family is the survival of our nation and um, if they if they live if Catholics live as I've often said as if it's true uh, the world will be converted but we don't we keep to ourselves we live things that we say Catholics don't believe and yet we do them and we're a disgrace to the world and to our God I think for the most part so why Rick most people uh, don't priests and religious don't speak about hell I don't know. I do not know that. It's it's something I cannot fathom uh, because if you know you can counsel someone who's who's uh, living with someone who's not their spouse, someone who's in a second marriage without an annulment, you can do all that. But I don't. Uh, I don't think I live with myself if I refrain from letting them know unless they rectify that immediately go to confession and get out of that situation, they will be in hell and they will lead the one they claim to love to hell along with them. They're both on the past to hell now. I, I, I don't, it, there's nothing more important than that. Um, Rick uh, points out in his email that a statement that Mother Angelic once made. She said, I intend to, to scare the H and then three asterisks out of you. I don't know that mother would have said the H dot 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 out of you. I think she would have said I intend to to scare the hell out of you. She might have said that. She might have said H and let people figure it out and they would all be laughing. But she means it. She's sincere. She cared about souls. She said her entire life, all her sufferings, every loss, everything would have been worth it for one single soul. I say the same. For one single soul. We pray for many, 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 but one single soul. Um, okay. Um, we have an email from Mary Ann, um, who writes, Hello, Mother. I was wondering, with this virus getting so bad... My church is not allowing but 50 people to attend at any one mass. But if we are elderly, I'm 73, uh, to stay, we're being asked to stay home. Well, that's a shameful thing. That's happening in most dioceses, Marianne. Um, it's, it's a shameful thing. The elderly needed more, need to come to mass more than anyone else. It's terrible. It's just awful. You say, well, you're old. You don't have much time to live anyway. That would apply to me, too. Uh, so, so don't come to Mass. It's the young people that have a long life uh, to live that should come. What message are you giving people? That's, that's what uh, uh, Governor Cuomo did in New York. He murdered people by sending thousands of coronavirus cases into nursing homes and, and killed elderly people who never even had coronavirus because he figured they're on their way out anyway. They can, it, it, it's unthinkably despicable and evil. It's unthinkable. Now, if you're elderly and um, you choose not to go, that's not a problem. But to be asked not to go is terrible. 
and you say, well, they're asked, but they still have the freedom to go. How would you feel being asked to stay home and then go in a church and people looking at you and assessing your age? It's awful. It's happened here. Uh, it's, in Oklahoma, it's happened all over. It's just terrible. And Marianne says, I know the mass is on the Internet, and but I feel so empty watching it on the Internet. So do I. It's not the mass for us. We're watching it. I have heard that spiritual communion communions are a good thing and that we can make spiritual communion many times a day. That's true. We cannot go to confession. One lady said that she had to sit in her car and the priest called on her phone and that was how she made her confession. These are abominations. I've seen um, one parking lot confessional set up where the priest was in his spot and the cars would pull up one by one several feet away from the priest and they would both be on their cell phones but looking to each other and talking to each other but the cell phone simply help, helped them to hear one another at such a distance. That's okay. But they're there and they're speaking, to, looking at the priest. Uh, not an online, not a phone confession. She says, um, this lady that's had a sit in her car was told that, was so upset about that. She said she didn't feel at all comfortable making a confession over the phone while sitting in her car. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Again, unless the priest was right there on a box or a, whatever his uh, position was, and they could see and talk to each other. Marianne says, I myself have not gone to confession where I used to go once a month, and it's been well over three months. That's awful. How can we confess our sins and stay in the state of grace at this time? At my age, confession and the Mass are extremely important, and I don't want to pass on as I'm afraid of judgment for not making confession and missing Mass. Can you help ease my heart and soul? Thank you. In God's hands, Marianne. Well, of course, Marianne, the issue is to not commit mortal sin. To not commit mortal sin. That is the key. As long as you don't commit mortal sin, even if you haven't gone to confession for venial sins, you're still in a state of grace. It's only mortal sin that kills grace in your soul. And if you have mortal sin on your soul, you call your priest and you tell him and make an appointment with him and say, Father, I cannot have communion over the phone. May I meet with you? Or would you... Stand six feet from in the parking lot, whatever it is. I need this, Father. And if he won't, call another priest until you find a priest that will hear your confession. Um, I think that's the ending music. Oh, dear, beloved. Okay, then. We will be with you tomorrow. God bless you. And um, live your faith with all your heart. And keep your home um, growing. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network, a listener-funded nonprofit organization. If this podcast has helped you in your spiritual journey, please prayerfully consider donating at thestationofthecross.com by calling 1-877-888-6279 or through our free iCatholic Radio mobile app. The Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity.